Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Great Conversation of the Hash HTMAN Kind. Today, I've got someone who is in real estate, and you guys have requested so much to speak to someone who has actually made it successfully in real estate. And I have got Stefan Arnio. Stefan, welcome to our podcast. We can't wait to dive in. It's nice to meet you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So um, your story is quite interesting. Went on your website and also read a few things online. You bought your first property at 21. And for many, like that's like usually when your credit is just getting somewhere or some people, like for instance, myself, that damaged the credit while they were a student. How did you get to the point of making that decision to buy your first property? Where did you get the capital from? Well, my, my property story starts at Isola when I was uh, 16. I wanted to be a rock star <laughs> and I, I wanted to be rich and famous. And I, I told my mom and I told my dad, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be a rock star. And of course, you know, my dad said, that's a horrible idea. You should go work at a bank. Mm. And my mom said, well, you should be a teacher just like me. And that's uh, that's not going to work. But, you know, my mom said, I, she said, I support you in your music dream. So you know, if you want to be a rock star, you need to go to the university and get a degree in music. That's what my mom said to me. So, you know, you're laughing because you know how false that is. But, you know, the parents, they always say plan B, go for plan B and forget about plan A. So I was going for plan B and I, I ended up in the music school studying the jazz program in the University of Manitoba up in Canada. And I had a rock band on the side. I had my little business. That was my plan to get rich and famous. And um, what ended up happening was I dropped out of the music school. It wasn't what I wanted, you know, playing jazz wasn't really playing rock and roll. So I dropped out of that. Then I went into computer science. I dropped out of that. Then I went into the business school. I dropped out of that. And finally, I said to the registrar, how do I get out of school without dropping out and disappointing my parents? She said, take two poetry classes and you can have an English degree. Wow. So, so I went and took two poetry classes so I could write better lyrics for my songs. Hmm. And, and then I graduated with a major in English and minor in music. And after I graduated, it was 2008, and there was no real jobs for a guy with an English degree. No one wants to hire you if you have an English degree. No one cares. <laughs> and and I, went, I went and like laid down on my mom's couch, and I started reading books. I, I had a post-grad depression because oh. you, know, you spend your whole life, 20 years, um, oh. becoming this product of the system yes. and there was there was nowhere for me to go and I remember my first job out of out of the uh, university required a degree it was a call center job in the middle of the night for ten dollars an hour and I was making ten dollars an hour painting houses in school and and I just felt so depressed about this because I felt like there was going to be some climax to my life but there wasn't so I went and read a little book called Rich Dad Poor Dad huh. and the book said you can be rich if you invest in property and if you build a business, I thought, well, that sounds great. Anybody can be rich. I love that. I thought only rock stars could be rich. <laughs> so I read this little book and, and then I started saving up 70% of my income. I was making 10 huh. grand a year. I wasn't making much money, but I started saving almost all my money and I was getting ready to buy a property. And I started going to, to real estate courses. My first real estate course was a $1,500 Donald Trump real estate weekend, which, you know, that company is not around anymore. The Donald Trump real estate, uh, course but I went and I, I started going to seminars I started reading books and then in 2009 I bought my first property with $1,200 down and huh. me and five other guys split it six ways right. and uh, and I you know first month we got some cash flow second month we got some cash flow and finally third month the tenant smashed it up and we we're stuck with a smashed house with no money and uh, 
I ended up buying out the other guys and owned it for five years and, and made some money on that property. So, you know, it was, it was really just a deep desire at a solo to, to be rich. I, I wanted to get into property because I knew that rich people had property and it just made sense to me. I love how you you've explained that and you actually went through, you know, uh, you know, a pitfall actually there. And um, the fact that you did it with five people, I used to try and tell people that, look, sometimes you can't do it alone. And it, it seems like it, it's a far stretch for you. Get other like minds who have the same goal or similar goals, that is, and then see if you can you can do it together. That's really amazing. You could do that at a young age. Not many people understand that kind of concept and that you actually bought the guys out later on were they okay with that obviously you had the vision beyond maybe wherever they stood but how did that how did that was that easy you know no no not it wasn't easy it was it was horrible uh, (laughs) because we had a house that was smashed Mm. and it had no income and i ended up holding the mortgage because i got a job at at frito-lay putting chips on shelves and so i'm holding the mortgage and nobody wanted to fix up this house nobody wanted to pay for it Nobody really wanted to do the work. So the group was kind of fighting a little bit, wasn't communicating very well. Hmm. And we didn't really have a system set up to deal with problems because we didn't, we were just a bunch of strangers. We didn't know each other very well. And so what ended up happening was uh, I ended up taking the baby because, you know, I went out and had fun with five guys and like a 16 year old girl, I had fun with five guys. Now I got a baby, (laughs) got a lifetime commitment, you know, a mortgage is a, it's an agreement until death. Hmm. So I had the mortgage and I had to do something because, you know, I'm the one paying every month if that thing isn't filled up. Hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, guys, we're back on again, and we are talking to Safan. And it's very interesting how he shared the early years of his real estate career. So, Safan, in I know you had this goal. You just wanted to be rich, right? Now you fit into real estate. What did you have to develop, like your values mindset? Clearly, you were the most responsible one in your group, your, your first group, um, to think of what to do next and actually do something. That actually is a, a very strong trait of millionaires. So what are your values and what's your mindset? You know, let's talk about it in different stages. Um, when you first thought about real estate, you thought about getting rich, clearly. So what pitfalls and how did your values keep you above all those pitfalls have you experienced so far? Um. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. There's something about millionaires that is seen across the board. And I was I was listening to a program yesterday. They were talking about the book, The Millionaire Next Door. Mm. And they were saying that the one thing that DECA millionaires have, people with $10 million and above, is that they have extreme integrity. They got very, very high integrity. And to me, I, I, I don't like to use the word integrity. I use the word congruence. You know, do mm. things match? Do they go together? And when I was a broke musician with my rock band, I had very low integrity and low congruence. Hmm. You know, like I, I do a thing with some of my coaching students called intentional congruence. And we look at all the things you're doing in your life. And um, somebody who's really wealthy usually is only good at one or two things. They did a study and said, they asked rich people, how many things are you good at? And they said, I'm only good at one or two things. And they asked poor people how many things they're good at. And they said, they're good at 20 things. <laughs> So, oh you know, funny. if you, if you want to be rich, you've got to be really, really good at one or two things. 
and have high integrity in one of those two, one of those two things and follow through. And when I was, you know, 21, 22 years old, I had really low integrity. Hmm. And when I made a decision to commit to being a person of integrity, as in what I said happened, if I said I was going to do it, I did it. When that changed, then my whole life changed. Oh, wow. you know, it started with that integrity because a lot of broke people, you know, they say they say broke things and they, they hmm. say all sorts of nonsense. Hmm. But when it, when the rubber hits the road, um, you know, they're, they're nowhere to be found. They say, oh, I want to do real estate. As soon as you say, okay, well, it's going to cost you 20 grand to get started. They can't find the 20 grand. Hmm. Hmm. So, you know, people, people are either high integrity or low integrity. And I was thinking about this too with budgeting the other day. A person who's 10 grand behind on their budget, a person who's 10 grand ahead is no different. It's just a habit. Mm. One person made a habit of saving a bit of money. One person made a habit of being underwater a little bit of money. And, you know, there's people who are perpetually in debt and there's people who are perpetually saving. And it just comes down to that one little habit. And that one habit over time ends up turning into a big thing in either the good or the bad. Wow. I like that you've, you've highlighted two things here. You've highlighted integrity and you've highlighted habits. So if you don't mind me asking, what would you say your primary habits are? Well, I actually, I actually made a, a test called Wealth Potentials. Ooh, okay. And what Wealth Potentials does is it asks you 100 questions and it, it measures your habits, your talent, your leadership. And most millionaires score above 80% on this test. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the habits... I'm just going to see if I can grab the habits of the wealth potential. There's 12 okay. habits that I believe make a millionaire. And I've got them written down here in my journal, actually. I keep a journal every day. Great. So you ready You ready for the habits, yes, Eddie? Yes, I am. Let's have it. So, so here's the 12 millionaire habits that I believe make millionaires. And this is from my test, Wealth Potential. So it actually will measure your habits and which ones are at millionaire level, which ones are at average person level, which ones are at, you know, broke level. <laughs> so the first one is preparation. Okay. You know, millionaires are often prepared. prepared. They do their homework in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, second one is attitude. Mm-hmm. They have a great attitude. Third one's integrity. Mm-hmm. So we already talked about integrity. Your yes. word is your bond. Fourth one is loyalty. Hmm. You know, I don't think anybody really makes it over time without being loyal. Hmm. Uh, the fifth one's discipline. Hmm. Sixth one is innovation. Yeah. So that's coming up with new ideas. Uh, the seventh one's enterprise. Mm-hmm. So that's taking those ideas and turning them into an enterprise, you know, something outside mm-hmm. your job. Uh, the next one is decision. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice that rich people make decisions quickly yeah. and change their mind slowly, whereas poor people make decisions slowly, change their mind quickly. Number 10 is faith. They have to have faith. Yeah. That's the antidote to fear. Uh, number 11 is temperance. Mm-hmm. So temperance means, you know, they're not doing anything in yeah. excess. They've yeah. got moderation, moderation. eating and drinking and mm-hmm. all sorts of, you know, vices that get people. And then the last one's abundance, mm-hmm. you know, an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality. Mm. I love that. You've, you've touched on something that, especially areas that I've, I've had to work on uh, myself, and that was fear. I thought I was someone that had no fear, but I realized that doubt is actually a version of it. And, you know, self-doubt, I had to work on that and get rid of that. Um, and I love this, the, the temperance, the, the, the moderation and, pe- you know, having that discipline to not live in excess is, is pretty much important if you're trying to build wealth in, in, in any case. So this 12 millionaire habits, 
can anyone access your um, wealth potential questionnaire? Can they access it online? Yes. Yeah, so it's online. If you go to wealthpotentials.com, you mm-hmm. can go check it out. And it's $97 to take the test, but mm-hmm. it's a 48-page report about you. Oh, good. So it tells you what your habits are, what your talents are, mm-hmm. and what your leadership is. So your talent is there's eight different ways that people make money. Mm-hmm. It's going to show your top, top – well, it shouldn't rank your ways top to bottom, you know. Are you a branding person? Are you a, a, a product person? Are you a cash flow person? Are you a leader who's just going to lead groups of people? Are you going to be a great salesperson? It tells you based on your um, your personality what your talents are, and then it also gives you your leadership. How mm. how good of a leader are you? You know, people who make huge fortunes are great leaders, mm. and people who are broke are horrible leaders. Mm, mm, mm. That's actually. <laughs> completely true so jumping back into real estate over the years like how you know what have you seen be the greatest change and what do you see happening in the future of property development well property property's changing right now you know the trends are changing there's an aging population in north america so there's a lot more seniors housing there's a lot more care homes there's a lot more storage. I'm getting into the storage business because people accumulate stuff and they just You're don't right. want to ever get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things are changing a little bit. Home ownership in the United States is less than it used to be. People are renting more. But fundamentally, I think, you know, property is probably always going to be kind of the same. Like, you know, things mm-hmm. don't really change much in history. Mm-hmm. It's the same old things. You know, there's always the rich. There's always the poor. There's always the middle class. Mm. And uh, what's happening right now in the economy is the rich are getting richer and the mm-hmm. poor are getting poorer and the middle class is getting totally wiped out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're either going to be a property owner or you're going to be a property renter forever. And I think you have to make the decision oh. to be rich. Oh, good. I love you have that. to decide at some point, I want to be on the rich side of things rather than the poor side, because there's, there's two sides to the coin and you choose what side you're going to be on. I love that you're saying that because that was the key thing for me, making that decision and asking myself, okay, you know, what's all this about? You know, having this business, losing it. If I'm going to do this again, if I'm going to work for someone, you know, where is it going to take me? What is the point? And that was it. It was like, okay, I just want to make a million. I just want to be a millionaire. And you were able to make that decision at 16. You know, I'm 36. That's like a wide gap of a lot of activity I've done since I finished uni. And I find it really amazing that you were able to do that and make a pathway, even though you stumbled, you know, into it, you made a pathway to it. And that, that to me is great. Now, based on what you're saying with regards to the widening gap, do you think there's ever any, any way that real estate, the gap could ever close where everyone is more or less, I don't want to say equal. Cause that's like, you know, looking for utility, like, you know, something that's not going to happen, but what do you think that that could ever happen in any possibility ever? And what were the factors that could affect that? You know, I don't think it's ever, I don't think the rich and the poor is ever going away. Mm. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'll put on a free training, a free weekend training, how to be a millionaire. And guess what? People who have their stuff together show up and the people who really need it don't. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the people who don't need to go to the gym show up to the gym and yeah. the people who need to go don't show up. The people the people who don't need to eat healthy eat healthy and the people who need to eat healthy don't. Right. Mm-hmm. So Choices. I think that what's well, never going to change because it's human nature and human nature is the, the natural state of humanity is poverty. 
And unless you add training and conditioning and uh, all sorts of external education to a person, they'll remain in poverty forever. Do you think what you just said should be part of what we learn in school? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, there's a, you know, I'm going to get conspiracy theory with you now. (laughs) You know, the public schools are not designed, they aren't designed to make people uh, rich and healthy and happy. You know, if you look at the things that the government controls, they control the money. Well, people are broke. They control the education. People are stupid and they control the health. Well, people are fat. So people are fat, dumb and stupid because the government controls the money. They control the food and they control the education. Well, that gives you a clue. Um, That's that's not something you want the government running. But as long as uh, education is public, I think it's going to be it's a slave factory. You know, they abolished slavery in the United (laughs) States at some point. But we now have money slaves and debt slaves. You know what? I completely agree with you. That's not a conspiracy theory. I homeschool my daughter predominantly Mm -hmm. for that reason. So um, I, I will have to say that, you know, you have something something there to be honest. Okay. Well, it's, so. it's conspiracy fact. I mean, <laughs> you know, I not like conspiracy that. theory, conspiracy fact, <laughs> man. Like, man. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I, I like literally, if you look at the curriculum now, Stefan, it's like, they're just churning out factory workers, you know, n- you know, and it's scary to me. You know? Well, think about this. Think about this, Addy Sola, you know, the, the United States election in 2016, mm-hmm. There was a big talk about the steel belt and the rust belt and factory jobs. And, you know, Trump said he wanted to bring back the factory jobs. (laughs) And, you know, in reality, the factory jobs will always go to the lowest. So they're never coming back to the United States. Mm. And Mm. uh, we've got a whole bunch of empty factories in Winnipeg where I live and they're never Mm. coming back. But the city preserves the manufacturing zoning because once you dezone manufacturing, you're never getting it back. But the point is, um, we're building factory workers for a world where there are no factories in this mm-hmm. part of the world. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with all these people? You know, we're mm-hmm. going to have self-driver self-driving cars soon. Mm-hmm. Well, who's going to, who's going to, what are we going to do with the cat taxi cab drivers? And here's a, sc- here's a scary thing to think about Addy Sola. Here's a scary thing. The requirements, the IQ requirements for jobs are increasing. So you have to be yes. smarter and smarter to have a job. Yes. But we're actually going down in yep. IQ. So yep. our population's getting dumber, but the jobs require smarter and smarter people. So what do you do with all the people that aren't smart enough to have a job? Well, that's the thing. And, you know, an idle mind, you know, is, you know, is, is just something that's pretty scary to me. And I don't understand why it's not being thought of and it's not being looked at as, as simple as education, which I call a daycare, to be honest. Um, what schools are like nowadays or a uh, cesspit for debt. So um, it's very interesting, you know, as you said, conspiracy fact, I would take that any day and you have someone that's completely in total agreement with everything you're saying. I'm an economist. That's what I studied in school. So I look at things in that perspective, thinking, okay, looking ahead, um, this is what's going to happen. And there are no careers being promoted to match what's going on. And you have to ask yourself, there's an exodus of immigrants coming in specifically for high IQ jobs, then what's going on with the people within your country? And if it doesn't match, then, you know, the problem is not external. It's something going on inside. So what exactly are you going to do about that? And I love that you touched on it. Um, It it just makes me feel really great that someone else has that kind of viewpoint as well. Um, Thank you so much, Stefan. Thank you.
Stefan, thinking about your millionaire journey, I'm really excited to talk about this, um, guys, with Stefan, because you started at 16. Let's get real. You, you were thinking big at 16. You just didn't know how to get there. So based on where you are now, right, and how, when you made your first million, what would you have told yourself, your 16-year-old self, when you made your first million? What would I go back and tell my 16-year-old self? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I wrote myself a letter, actually, and it awesome. was my regrets, my regrets in life. And I don't regret much. Mm. Uh, I'm 32 now, but I don't regret much except the things I didn't do. And one of the things I didn't do was I, I wish I dropped out of school at 16 and sold vacuums for a living. Mm. Because I would probably be way ahead today if I had just skipped, you know, an extra... Mm. I, I was in school till 22. So six more years of indoctrination and, and, you know, fake education. I could have <laughs> jumped out of that quick and gone and sold vacuums and learned how to, how to make money and buy property earlier. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because my, my parents were highly indoctrinated and they hmm. didn't want me selling. Hmm. They said, selling is evil. Selling is a dirty word. Hmm. You know, all these, all these different things. And that, you know, I had to, I had to fight through that. You broke because, through it. <laughs> oh man, I had to fight through so much. I, you know, my, my parents were not supportive of mm. entrepreneurial endeavors mm. at the, uh, you know, when I was becoming an adult, mm. I remember when I was young, you know, they'd say, Oh, go sell lemonade or you could do these little entrepreneurial things. But when it came time to being an adult, there was so much fear and they wanted mm. me to get a, a job in banking or a job, a in, stable uh, job. Yeah. Teaching. Which I think is a trap. Like you know, the <laughs> middle class it. is a the middle class is a major trap. Mm, 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 you get in there, mm. you get your job, you get your debt, you get your your mortgage, your car loan, and people are so afraid in the middle class of striking out and taking a a chance. Mm. They're so afraid of that that they don't they don't ever do it. Whereas I think you're better off to be poor because if you're poor, you'll take a chance. <laughs> and and you know when you're rich. Rich and poor, I think, have a lot more in common mm. than the middle class. The mm. middle class is this interesting little animal where people get stuck. So I would say to my 16-year-old self, avoid the middle class, go into mm. uh, vacuum sales, drop out of school, learn to sell, learn to buy property. Mm. I love what you're saying so much. I mean, middle class is a trap. Um, I don't think I've ever put it in one sentence like that, but it's absolutely true. And it's, it's ridden with fear. So, um, I mean, I went through the same thing you went through. Like, I wanted to be an entrepreneur right out of uni. I gave my certificate to my mother. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. And I started my first business immediately. Like, within six months, I owned my own fashion house. And um, it was very interesting that, you know, the support I, I needed didn't happen until in, like, literally one month, I could make, you know, what, Basically, you, she could make in six months. <laughs> and it was like, oh, there's something here. And I'm like, okay, why didn't you just believe in me in the first place? Sometimes the people need inferred proof of some sort. But, you know, it's nice that you're able to share that and that you actually broke through something. Because in order to change something, you have to, you know, break it and then start again. And you did that despite your upbringing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. So we're back with Stefan and I'm going to ask him a, 
I don't know if it's a personal question to friends, so you tell me. When did you make your first million? Like, when did you make it clean? Like, your first tax three million. When did that happen? Uh, when I was about 28 and a half, Ooh. that's when I, I got to hit the million mark. And that was in a prop, that was a combination of property, combination of businesses, Ooh. combination of cash. Uh, so there was a combination of things and I added it up and it was about a million bucks. And that was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I'll say this, a million bucks these days isn't very much no, anymore. You're, no, you're, you're the new middle class if you're mm-hmm. a millionaire. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you own a house, you have a car, maybe you have a cottage or something. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think you know, millionaire is good because it's kind of a rite of passage. It, mm. it it says, hey, you made it out of the rat race and out of your job. But I don't think you're rich by any means mm. Mm. as mm. a millionaire. I like what Robert Kiyosaki says. He says, you know, your net worth is kind of a fake number because, mm. you know, if you were to sell all those assets, what would you actually yes, get have. Them? Mm-hmm. We don't know. And there's broker fees and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think what's more important is your cash flow, your mm-hmm. passive income is greater than your expenses. And, you know, I, when I was 23, my second deal got me out of the rat race where my passive income was greater than my expenses. And that really got me out of working and I didn't have to go to a job after 23. So I haven't had a job for the last almost 10 years. Awesome. And, and that's, that's a really cool thing, you know, Mm. to own a property that can cover your basic expenses. Mm. And Mm. then you don't Mm. have to worry about eating and you don't have to worry about you know, where you live and all those things. And that's really given me an advantage for building my other businesses and and building uh, my other endeavors. All right. You know, I love that you just answered my next question, which was, do you have multiple sources of income? So clearly, clearly you do. Um, Did you realize that? Yeah, absolutely. Like one source of income wasn't going to work, that you needed to do other things? When did you realize that? Well, I, I don't know if one source of income ever really made sense to me. I remember when I was younger, I said, <laughs> I, I don't, I said, I, I don't want a job. You know, I'd be in high school. I said, what do you want to be? I said, I don't want a job. And I ended mm-hmm. up unemployed because my negative goal got me a negative result. What, uh, what I, what made sense to me was when I was a guitar teacher, I, I got 22 checks from 22 customers. And if I lost a customer, you know, that kind of sucked, but I get another one. So I liked having 22 checks more than having one check. That always made more sense to me. Hmm. And, um, you know, today I've got, I've got passive income rentals. I've got uh, flip houses. I've got uh, wholesaling where we wholesale real estate contracts. We sell the paper without ever owning it. Yeah, I know that. Um, I've got, I've got a coaching business. I've got e-commerce. I've got my software, you know, wealth potentials. Hmm. So, there's so many different, uh, we have a home staging company, I'm getting into storage. There's so many different income streams nowadays versus when I started. And I think that you have to build a lot of income streams in your entrepreneur because nine out of 10 businesses fail. So you need to make 10 businesses to get that one. one. And then if you want seven, you got to make 70 businesses to get seven, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Average millionaire has seven sources of income. So you got to make 70 businesses to have your, your <laughs> income be covered as a millionaire. Mm, you know, it's, mm. it's not easy. It's a lot of failure yes. going through that. Yes. I, I love that you just give it a number. I didn't even think of it that way, you know, 70 to get seven. And now that kind of helps me make my failures make sense <laughs> um, as to where I'm at now. So that's, that's pretty good. So, guys, y- y- you see that. With most, most millionaires, there's some kind of formula right here. Um, Stefan, I love the fact that even though you've got multiple streams, they're kind of related, you know. Um, I mean, 
you know, even everything you've done, I mean, the e-commerce is obviously based on those traits that you're, you're helping people to train in, but your, your income generally comes from around the same thing. Did, did that happen on purpose? Did, did you seek out these opportunities? Did you create the opportunities or did they just stumble into your lap? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. I mean, I kind of fell into real estate because it was something that, you know, the, the rich dad poor dad told me it was the thing to, to get into. So I got into it. And then from there I fell into coaching. I never planned on training people. Mm. I never wanted to coach people. In fact, I thought training and coaching was a dirty business. I didn't <laughs> want anything to do with it because I saw so many, you know, bad coaches mm. out there. Mm. You know, I don't want to say they're scamming people, but they're just shitty at what they do. They're mm. not very good. Mm. So, I didn't want to be a trainer or have an education company, but I ended up having one because when I was out there marketing to raise money for my deals, I would get for every investor, I get three or four people asking to do what I did mm. and they wanted mentorship and they wanted training materials and they wanted classes and they wanted books. So I ended up with an accidental training business. And then I've always built my other businesses based off of what, I already had, for example, when I was flipping a lot of houses, I made a home staging company. Mm. Um, and, you know, I have a real estate coaching company because I was flipping a lot of houses. Mm. And now my coaching company is turning into e-commerce and my uh, real estate is turning into, turning into storage. Well, you know, at my office here, we got 10 employees and we're running out of storage. So <laughs> we need to buy storage anyways. <laughs> And, and we store our staging gear. Well, we need staging mm. storage anyway. So I'm always building the next logical step. Mm. What, makes, what makes sense next? Mm. And uh, I've got a new book coming out called Hard Times Create Strong Men. Mm. Um, that book is about how, you know, young men these days don't have fathers. Mm. And because they don't have fathers, their fathers didn't have fathers. And the men in society are becoming weak. Yep. And that's usually when society collapses mm -hmm. because the men, the men are the backbone of the society. And so, you know, with that book, I'm probably going to end up with some like man coaching <laughs> because, you know, I, I didn't want to be a man coach, but nobody was uh, Doing teaching it. these men how to be men. Yes. So I guess we're going to have to open up a business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I, I, I love what you're saying. I love what you like you saying what makes sense next. That is like, if people just even thought like that, it would be a different place, you know, not focusing so much on the past or the issues in the present, but like, okay, what makes sense next? So you, your business, everything you naturally evolved and all your businesses naturally evolved to create new opportunities. So, I mean, you, you can't have it any better than that. And, and thank you so much for sharing that, Stefan. Thank you. So guys, um, I've learned so much. I've like validated so many things that have been running around in my head with Stefan here today. And, you know, we're moving on next to talk about, you know, his, he mentioned some of his brands, but, you know, his brand, his mission, you know, his goal and what next, what next, obviously he's talked about as well. But, you know, Stefan, can you just put it in a tight knit, you know, about, you know, what your brand says, your mission and your goals and basically what next? Yeah, the mission, we have it printed up on the front desk in the office here. It says, give a man a fish he's fed for a day, teach a man a fish he's fed for life, and then teach a man to teach fishermen and end world hunger. Hmm. And 
you know, it's funny. My mom's a teacher. She's an English teacher. I have an English degree. I never became a teacher. And she said to me, oh, Steffi, you can get a teaching degree and be just like me. (laughs) And I said, I'm never going to be like you. I'm never going to do what you did. And she came to one of my seminars last year and said, see, Steffi, you're a teacher just like me. So it's it's kind of funny. That's my mission is to uh, is to to train people, teach them how to fish. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, if, if I do my job right, then my students don't need me anymore, mm-hmm. which is great, because at some point you do know how to fish your own fish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think I, I built this whole company because my father never had that education, He never mm-hmm. had the how to be an entrepreneur. He never mm-hmm. had all the skills. And, and he talked about there was no way to find it. Hmm. back in the day and my parents divorced over money the the whole family fell apart because my father couldn't produce the money that my mother wanted Hmm. and that uh you know that's really driven me to want to train people and and save those families from that financial Hmm. stress and the financial hardship because you know you you might lose your family but don't lose it over Hmm. money Hmm. money's just money Hmm. 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 wow that's such a a personal, uh, uh, what's it called, inspiration there. Um, so you're inspired by your 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 dad, evidently, and what happened in your family. That's really nice to hear. And in 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 that on that note, when are you going to start educating your kids on the time? <laughs> well, you know, I got to have some kids first. Yeah. I got to find when a good a good comes. wife. Yes. Find a ba- find a baby machine who wants to have a lot of babies. <laughs> oh my god, that's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dude. Yeah. They, well, I was saying the men are broken. The women are broken too. You know, yeah. Finding a, a good woman who wants to have a bunch of babies these days. That's hard. That's, that's you not know something what? that they, they don't tell the young girls to do that anymore. They tell them to be empowered women and go out there and get crappy jobs and earn less than men. That's what they tell them to do. Mm. They don't, they don't tell them to, mm. to have families anymore. It, you know what? It depends on the person. Like someone has to be very balanced to be around someone like you. Number one, they have to, understand what you your value and she also has to understand that you understand hers and you also have you I mean if you have joint goals it's it's relatively easy like look it's easy to find there's still girls that want to have lots of kids there are loads of them but they know what it takes that it has to be a strong financial foundation which evidently you have so that's not too hard um if you look in the right places hopefully um to, to meet the right person but the, the, the question i asked was like when are you going to start educating your kids you know, all this lovely traits that you've got, how, you know, are you going to start impacting it pretty early? I mean, is there a, like an age you're going to do that in, that you have in mind? Well, I think, I think what I'm going to do, and I've talked about this a lot and people think that I'm crazy to say this, but I'm going to start charging kids rent from age three <laughs> and it's going to be a penny. It's a penny. You got to pay one penny a month. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And so, so they understand, I oh, like I got to pay my, I, I got to pay my penny. And then the penny's <laughs> going to double every year. So a penny, then two pennies mm. when they're four, mm. four pennies when they're uh, five. And by the time they're 18, I think it's like 300 bucks. Mm. They got to pay. Oh, I like that. And when that. they're 19, it's 600. Mm. And when they're 20, it's 1200. <laughs> and when they're 21, it's, it's going to be 2400. So they're not, they're going to go, oh man, from age three, they're going to be thinking, I better pay my way how to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to, And then, and then we're going to have, uh, mm. we're going to have tax. Mm. So they're going to have to pay a 7% flat tax. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. I didn't even think and of that. <laughs> and they're, and they're also going to have, um, there's going to be no allowance. It's going to be a big board of chores in the kitchen. <laughs> like they do the style. chores. They invoice mom, mom pays them their money on the 15th. So they're going to know how that stuff yes. works. And, and 
And I'm also going to give loans with business plans. Hmm. So you bring a business plan and you get a loan, but it's going to be 7% no matter what. And don't default on dad. Cause I think I'll even make the utilities to their part of the house. But I really, I'm laughing, but I really believe in what you're saying. I charge my daughter when she wastes water. So um, I, I, I remember telling a mate of mine that, and they thought I was insane. I'm like, look, I didn't know how to handle the fact that she just loses herself when there's water around. So I decided to charge her. But your system works pretty fine to me. I like the fact that you can, you're can you literally going to have the utilities um, set up in the way that you can literally shut it off <laughs> and stuff. But you know what? There's something that that's, um, I find interesting in what you just said. What's this 7% about? Why 7%? 7% is the historic interest rate for the last 300 years. Mm, um, mm. So historically, interest has been 7%. So no matter what the market is, you know, if the market's 20%, they'll get 7 If it's 3%, they get 7 So mm. it's just a standard interest rate. Mm. And, you know, just, just to train them, like they have to know about this stuff. Otherwise, you're going to have a 30-year-old guy mm. living in your basement that, mm. you know, like my, my brother, you know, he's, he's lived with my mom. He's 30 years old and he still lives at my mom's house he's, he hasn't paid rent mm. and he's mad when she asked him to pay mm. and i said to her i said you know he's mad because you haven't taught made him. it apparent mm. you haven't taught him mm. and she thinks he should just know to pay mm -mm. rent but no if you don't show him he needs to pay rent he doesn't know mm. and and it's funny because they were negotiating rent recently and i a room in my city is probably five six seven hundred dollars for a room and she was asking for $300 and wow. he threw a tantrum and then he went and looked online and he saw the prices and he thought 300 was a good deal. And that includes food. So that means so, he hadn't even looked at the cost of living until well, when that what, happened. But, but why would he? I mean, mm. if he never has had to look, he won't look. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's like, it's like the sign at the zoo. It says, don't feed the bears or the bears will get <laughs> complacent. <laughs> And won't know how to hunt. <laughs> oh my god! I love your analogies. Right. You know, I, like I told my, well, I'm British, so we have this thing where, like, once you're 16, you're on your own, man. And I told her, like, what I'm going to do is make sure that I give you all the tools you need to survive, um, which includes financial planning, because I, I didn't have that. And I know now, just making that decision one day to literally sit down and make my own plan to to become a millionaire, it was easy. It was like everything that. I had like you know, little things, little pockets of knowledge that you have just fall into place. It just made sense. And I just thought, why didn't I just think of this a lot earlier? I mean, I made money, but it didn't have a place to go. You know, it was, I was making more than some of my mates who had great jobs were, but it didn't have a place to go because I didn't educate myself to do something with it beyond making it. Um, so I, I really, I, I advocate what you're saying. I think it's a good style of parenting. You might, you might think about writing a book about in that way about, you know, teaching your kids about money. Cause there really isn't much out there when it comes to uh, educating your kids about how to live, um, you know, an independent life. finally we're about to wrap up and i just want to say thank you so much for coming on and i would like you to give my listeners your top three life tips i mean you've got 12 trades 12 habits but your top three life tips that you've stuck to and have worked for you consistently well i think the first thing is you gotta you gotta read and get educated you know when you look at ceos they read 50 to 60 books a year mm. and the average broke-ass worker reads nothing. They read Harry Potter, Fifty Shades of Grey. So stop right. reading that crap and read 
catch up, you know, do, do some reading, some real reading. Um, you know, second thing I can say is go and get some mentors and some coaches. Like mm-hmm. you need to have those things. That's another thing. The school system annihilated is coaches and mentors. They wiped that out. That used to be the way to do it. Mm. But now you need to get a coach now, coach. You have to pay for a mentor is free. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you need both of those, but a mm. mentor to get a mentor, they have to choose you. Mm. You're not going to choose them. Yes. The coach, you choose them. So that, so that's something that I think people need. And then, and then the third thing is, you know, I think that it's not what you know, it's who, you know, you got to start building your network and, and knowing your people. Cause there's, there's three types of capital. There's intellectual capital, which comes from your brain. How smart are you? Then there's mm-hmm. your, social capital, which is who you know. And then the third one is your real capital, which is your real money. Mm, 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 and I think that if, if you're reading books every week and if you're, you know, get on a journaling system too. If you're on a journaling system and you're reading books every week and you're uh, seeking out coaches and mentors, I think the sky's the limit for you. But if you, if you don't do those things, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Not even Jesus can save you at that point because <laughs> – you got to you got to fill up your brain first. Mm, 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 mm. Totally. Um, thank you so much, Stefan. I've learned a lot, um, and trust me, I'm definitely going to be checking out um, your website. You know, wealth potential. I think that is something that will be great to see. I mean, I did MBTI and ProScan, um, but it didn't focus really on my actual goal, which is you know to become you know a, as you said a multimillionaire. And it's it's kind of interesting that you've created this, and it's not it's not something that I've seen or heard from before in my entire journey, which is just like a year and a half. Um, so I'll be really happy to share this with my listeners on my website and everything. So um, I just want to tell listeners that guys, you've heard it here, you've heard from him. He started at sixteen with his mindset. You know, he bought his first house at twenty two. He's thirty two now, ten years, and he's built. You know, I have to say, a massive empire, and he's still growing. So, Stefan, thank you so much for, for being on my show. Um, I'm really grateful that you took the time to really share all these nuggets with us. And um, I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you very much. Yeah.